Hi, this is David Sweet, CEO and founder of Focus Core Japan. And if you were like many of the APAC leaders that I speak to, you're struggling in Japan to find the right talent. You get bombarded with irrelevant resumes or a lack of resumes altogether. I would like to invite you to discover the power of Focus Core's retained search. Let Focus Core help you swiftly secure top tier talent in this candidate short market. I'd like to invite you to shoot me an email and explore how we're different. And with a 100% refundable trial, we can revolutionize your hiring process today. Now on to our podcast. We, we should probably have an IPA with the, the lunch. <laughs> no, no, we should not. Today, we'll be doing something a bit different.、Uh, for the first podcast that I ever recorded, was with Andrew Hankinson, who runs Sweeling Hankles here in Japan. It was such a fantastic interview. I've brought that podcast over to the Focus Core Library for you to listen to and enjoy.、Uh, Andrew starts、uh, us off with his career in Japan. The importance of hiring people who know how to sell, how he studies a resume, which I can attest to, how to use recruiters. He also talks about running Zwilling in Japan with six wonderful top brands, including Staub, Barini, and Miyabi. And after listening to this episode, I encourage you to subscribe to Andrew's podcast, the Now and Zen podcast, where he has entertaining and insightful conversations with Japan focused business professionals, entrepreneurs, and creatives. Andrew's such an intriguing, talented, and interesting person to know. So without further ado, I give you. Andrew Hankinson. Thank you, David. I'm very happy to be here, and congratulations on your new podcast. Well, thank you. It's only fitting that、uh, you should be my first guest as I was on、uh, your podcast as the first. This is true. You were my first guest on my podcast, and now the tables have turned. So tell us about you and how you got to where you're at in the world. All right.、Uh, not super exciting. I came to Japan first as a high school student, really enjoyed it. And so I decided to start studying Japanese and make Japan a part of my future. So after high school, I moved to Japan to find my fame and fortune. Uh, neither of which I found, but I did improve my Japanese skills and I did teach a little bit of English. And I even worked at a travel agency down in Osaka. So I decided, you know, no fame, no fortune. I guess I better go back to school. So I went back to the United States, to my hometown, Seattle, went into university, and I majored in business and Japanese language. And luckily for me, when I graduated in 1991, I had already been offered a job with a Japanese company. So I moved here in 1991, and I have been in Japan ever since. 
my current company, Zwilling. I have been with them now for, this is my eighth year. So your company is ideal of what this podcast is about, trying to help SMEs uh, for recruitment, to recruit better, cheaper, faster. And what, tell us about what you, your company does for their recruitment. Zwilling is a German company with a history of nearly 300 years. And we are most famous for kitchen knives. But um, we're not only just kitchen knives, we have a multi-brand strategy. We have a brand from France called Stobe, which is cast iron. We have another brand from Italy called Ballerini, which is Italian cookware. And interestingly enough, most of the knives that we sell in Japan are made in Japan because we have our own factory in Gifu Prefecture. We make Zwilling knives and we also make Miyabi knives. And Miyabi, Miyabi knives are mainly for export to uh, the U.S., to Europe, uh, and obviously around the world, export, wherever that may be. And then we take all of these brands that we have, that we import uh, from Europe and from Asia, and we sell them at our 38 directly operated retail stores, which is split between factory outlet stores and also full price stores. So we are an importer of products, we're an exporter of products, we're a manufacturer, and we're also a retailer. So uh, it's a bit complex, uh, it's a bit challenging. So when it comes to hiring people, we do have specific needs. And because we are a foreign affiliated company, we're also looking for skill sets that can you know, almost be plug and play. You know, we're not looking to hire a lot of people for on-the-job training. Of course, you know, product knowledge and, and so forth is 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 required, and that takes time. That's not a problem. Even I didn't have the product knowledge or the industry knowledge when I started. Just as a, a footnote, your your style uh, pans are fantastic. My steaks taste so much better cooked on them. Lovely products. Thank you very much. Do you have a specific interview process that you find that expedites? The first step of the process would be an interview with a line manager. And they will interview the candidate. They usually have a set, uh, they're Japanese managers, and they'll have a set, uh, set of questions that they ask. And if they pass the first interview, then typically I will be involved then from the second interview. And, um, and then if there's a third interview that's required sometimes, uh, especially if it's a, a, a top position, there will be th three interviews. And the third interview usually will be between me and also the uh, direct manager that that potential candidate might have. That's, I guess that's the process that we have. It's interesting. So you don't have an HR involved within that process that you're looking at? Not too much, no. We have, as I mentioned, we have a factory, yep. which is based in Seki, and that's where all of our back office uh, positions are. That's where human resources and operations and finance and purchasing, and that's all down there. Mm -hmm. Our HR manager, we do have an HR manager. However... Uh, 
like a lot of companies, the HR, our HR manager is more of just an administrative type person. So when our sales director needs a new salesperson or our marketing director needs a marketing uh, person, then they will get involved in the recruiting process. And then once the person's hired, then our HR person will take over and, and have the forms ready and the processes and all that stuff. That's great. Yeah, I think it's it's always uh, a little bit better for the recruitment when the management's involved in it straight away instead of HR, which is sometimes once removed from the process and might not know the specifics to to search for or or to share with uh, recruiters. Or sometimes the RHR manager will contact recruit agencies or even place an advertisement on an online site or even in a magazine, which we still do. Uh, down in in uh, in Gifu and Seki, where we have our factory, that's a little bit the countryside. So we need employees for our factory, um, really blue collar type positions, entry level. At that point, our HR manager sometimes will be involved. But in Tokyo, that's where our sales and marketing and PR, it's where I'm located. For any positions in Tokyo, it's all the managers and myself that are involved in the recruiting process. Do you have a killer interview question? (laughs) <laughs> a killer interview question. Uh, that's an interesting question. Well, I don't have any real gotcha type questions because I don't like those type of questions, to be honest, because I'm looking for somebody that can help the company. I want to find out what their skill set is. Um, but when it comes to hiring salespeople, because I have a very strong sales background, like you, I like to train salespeople. And there, I really, really know, or I really, really know how to identify a great salesperson, I believe. So in that process, I, I do have a little bit of a, tr- uh, a gotcha question at the end, but in, in, the pro- in the interview process, I'll ask them a softball question, something like, why do you like sales? Mm-hmm. And... Of course, they'll, they'll explain why, but what I'm trying to find out here is I want to gauge just what their thought process is. Then, you know, a couple questions later, I'll ask them, are you a good salesperson directly? And of course, they'll say yes, and of course, I have to ask why, but what I'm trying to gauge here is their emotional intelligence, their confidence level, do they have any specific sales techniques or sales skills that that will come out of that explanation. So then I I kind of make a memo of that. The interview continues on. Then I will ask them if they have confidence in selling our products. And what this gauges with me is if they've done their homework. Have they researched the company? Have they researched the brands and our products? And it also will show how much creativity they have because obviously they don't have any deep product knowledge. And if they're going to explain how they have confidence in selling my company's brands and products, probably they'll have some ideas on how to sell that, which to me would indicate some some creative uh, capability there, which I really value, by the way. So then we continue on and then I will ask them when we get to the salary part of the interview, I'll ask them, 
if they would like to receive big uh, sales bonuses. And of course they say yes, right? So great, note that as well. Then towards the end, I'll say, okay, well, our sales structure, we have two sales structures. The first one is a market competitive base salary with basic sales incentives. Or you can also choose a lower base salary, but with unlimited sales bonus opportunities. Which one do you prefer? And in Japan, about over, over 90% of the candidates will always choose plan A. And then I will say to them, well, you said you like sales. You said you're a good salesperson. You said you have confidence selling our products and you would like to get big sales bonuses. Why would you choose plan A over plan B? So at this point, it is a bit of a gotcha question. However, I think the answer is pretty important, um, how they explain that, because there could be some underlying reasons. Maybe they meant as a starter, you know, maybe my first six months I need, you know, a certain plan and then they can move on. Whatever, however they want to explain their way out of this little dilemma they've gotten into also shows me what their thought process is. The worst answer to that question is, well, if I don't sell anything, I don't make anything, which, you know, from their perspective, true. However, from my perspective, if you don't sell anything, you don't have a job, right? And one time, a very wise and sage executive search person once said to me, there's only two reasons why a company should hire you. Number one is to make the company money. And number two, to save the company money, either or. And when they give me that answer, well, if I don't sell anything, I don't make anything. Well, that's kind of where we end the interview, if you know what I mean. That's awesome. It's <laughs> a good process. What's, do you have a, a best or worst uh, case interview story? Um, let's see. Worst? <laughs> People always go for the worst, right? Maybe the worst. <laughs> I still get a chuckle out of this story. One of the questions we ask in the interview process is, what is the, or we ask, do you like to cook? Because it's pretty important because we're a kitchen tool company. So if they don't like to cook, it's, it's a little bit, you know, there's no, there, there, there probably won't be much passion there. So uh, we ask if they like to cook. And if they say yes, uh, I will ask them, what is their favorite kitchen tool? And this is done to gauge if they know what our market is, who our competition is, if they know any brands, you know, and typically it would be a knife brand that they use or a cookware brand, whether it be cast iron or stainless steel or a Japanese brand or whatever. This one individual said her favorite kitchen tool was a microwave oven. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I guess, it could be defined as a tool perhaps, but normally I would call that an appliance, but um, she didn't get the job. <laughs> One of the questions I like asking is about best and worst resumes. Um, because you use, I've seen you go into an interview with resumes all marked up and you've highlighted and you really get at a resume. Um, what do you like to see in a resume? Um, I do mark them up. I know it's uh, could be considered impolite or rude to do that. Um, I usually use a highlighter, and they're just 
because I don't go into most interviews with a set, um, a, a, a set questions. There's, there's some basic ones, of course, that you have, but I really want to talk about them and I want to talk about their experience and I kind of feed off of some of their answers. Uh, and what I do with the resumes is if I'm making a highlight where if they say they have good people skills or collaborative skills, I might ask them what they mean by that or if they have examples of that or something like that. That's, That's great. Thank you. I want to talk about recruiters for a moment. Yeah. Because you work with a lot of recruiters. What, what do you think makes a great recruiter? How, how would you help? SMEs select a great recruiter. What I've been most impressed with, with recruiters that uh, I continue to use, is they, they come to learn about me and about my company and about our environment. Because when you are sourcing a candidate, the professional recruiters will think, is this candidate a good fit for this company or not? And a good example that I have is because we are a foreign affiliated company, a lot of times we want people that think for themselves and don't rely on a, like in most Japanese companies, kind of a, uh, a chain of command. You know, you have the, the Bucho and the Kacho and the Kakaricho and everybody being a little bit uh, reactive or passive to whichever direction the company is going. Our company, with a lot of foreign affiliated companies, we expect people to think for themselves, have some ideas. And so if, if a recruiter just goes through their database and finds somebody who has kind of a similar background and there's a bit of a checklist skill set that might apply to my company, and they introduce that candidate to us, especially if, if their background, or excuse me, their career background is only in Japanese companies, probably that person's not going to be a very good fit for our company. So what I'm trying to say here is <laughs> a good candidate will often say to me, here are two candidates I think are a good fit to your company because... A, B, and C. That makes me feel a little bit more confident that I should take a, a closer look at this candidate because this recruiter has said specifically why they think this candidate would be a good fit for my company. Yep. So really coming in and getting to know you and your business or the managers in the business and what, you're, what makes you guys special, taking that extra step and helping you, your job easier, right? Anything that right. can make your job easier and faster. And the other thing there is I also like recruiters that are flexible. And what I mean by that is especially regarding the commissions and the fees that we have to pay because recruiters are not cheap, especially these days. Usually it's 30, maybe even 35%. And if I've been working with one agent, uh, if I'm working with one agent for an extended period of time, I, I have some recruiters that I've used for five or six positions. Maybe I've been using them for over a year. And, and some people listening to this pod, podcast might say five or six positions, that's nothing. Well, we don't, we don't do a lot of recruiting. We don't do a lot of hiring. You know, if we, if we hire a total of four people in one year, that's, that's, that's about average for my company. Maybe even less. Three to five is probably our average. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is we have a relationship. So um, another 
another good question I've been asked by a recruiter. He said, which type of companies do you want me to recruit from? Which type of industries, what type of companies? Which that helps me because I know the companies in my industry. I know companies that are kind of on the peripheral of my industry. They're consumer goods, maybe they're lifestyle goods. Um, and so there might be a company that, man, if I had somebody from that company, that would be great. And so they've asked me this. So in this case, and I've actually done this in the past. I've said, this person at this company, I would love for you to root, to pull them out of there. Because from a, a moral, a professional, uh, ethical standpoint, it's pretty difficult for me to try to contact these people directly. So maybe I might, for example, say to you, hey, David, there's, you know, so-and-so, you know, I'm making up this name, uh, Mr. Tanaka at, you know, company ABC, uh, go get him, boy. And if that's the case, and you make a phone call and get an interview for me, and their, their salary potential is, let's say, 10 million yen, basically, you've just made 3 million yen to make a phone call. So in this case, let's, let's talk about this. I've been working with you so many years, and let, let's be flexible on this, because you can be flexible. I remember the old days uh, when it was 20%, and uh, now it's 30 35%. So the flexibility angle also is also important, I think, in uh, having a good relationship with a good recruiter. Uh, give us a, a recruitment hack uh, that you found that works well in your your industry a recruiting hack. Well, one of them is I have offered to my employees if they can introduce somebody from their previous company or somebody that they know. Why don't one of my staff try to recruit a staff, uh, a new staff from somebody that they know? So not even use recruiters. I don't know if that's the that's a hack you're looking for here or not. But that's exactly what I, th I think if a company does, they shouldn't call me until they have that in place. That's I mean, that's a no brainer that you might as well. Do you give um, rewards to your employees for that? Yes. Yes. And that, that's the second part of it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I will uh, offer a uh, an incentive. What we would normally pay to a recruiter, not 30%, but it, it might be a set amount, let's say 100,000 yen or 200,000 yen or whatever it is, we would pay that as a bonus to one of our employees. And it really works well in, in our retail industry where we're looking for uh, shop staff or store managers. Because they're, I mean, in, in the retail industry at a mall, all the store managers, they all tend to know each other. And so uh, they know the ones that are happy and unhappy. And but I, I, when I go in and I, I do some uh, coaching for clients and I, I give them a, a process to follow for recruitment, and one of them is putting in a employee referral program. And oftentimes they will come back to me and say, oh, no, we can't do that. Employees just don't feel comfortable. It, it breaks the law of the, the company. Um, no, that's true. That's true. I, I would agree with that. And I've, I've come up against that brick wall um, as well. And I think it goes to the core of, you know, I'm not a cultural anthropologist or anything, but I've, been, I've lived in Japan long enough and I speak Japanese and can understand some of the culture. But, you know, they now have uh, a responsibility or an obligation to that person. And some people aren't comfortable with having that 
<laughs> over their head. Uh, and, and so it hasn't worked all the time. And I can count on one hand how many times it has worked. But I can say that in the three or four cases where this has happened, that it's worked out and the employees are still with us. And when it works well, it works very well. But I, can un I, I do understand and I recognize that there is a, a certain hesitation to doing that. Yeah, I applaud you for that. That's, a, that's an awesome hack. I just think that's a, something that every SME should have in place. Good on you. So uh, barefoot lunch, we ask, uh, I, ask, I like asking three questions. Okay. So, number one, one book you would recommend everyone should read? Well, since this is a recruit-affiliated podcast, I'll, I'll keep it to a recruit uh, book. And this book was recommended to me and uh, right before I joined Zwilling. And it's a book by Michael Watkins called The First 90 Days. Yep, good one. Yeah, and that book talks about leadership transition and what you should do in your first 90 days to make an impact. And it breaks it down into 30 and 60 and 90 days. This is what you should do in the first 30 days, uh, the first 60 days, and the first 90 days. And it's a fantastic book. It really helped me. And I would, regardless of what position, and this is not just for you know like like lead, you know top leaders of a company to read. This is anybody, any level. Yeah. Should definitely highly recommend the first ninety days. Yeah, when I'm coaching employees, especially they go through transition, whether it's internally or into a new company, mm -hmm. it's an excellent book. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant suggestion. What is number two? Second question: What is your favorite lunch? <laughs> My favorite lunch. Hmm. Well, for me. It depends on who I'm with. For me, it's not about the food. It's about the company. So if I'm having a great lunch with some, and I like to have lunch meetings. Yep. If I'm having a lunch meeting with you, David. It's a barefoot lunch with David Sweet. What are you going to have? Yeah. So you, you and I are having a great conversation and we're catching up and we're sharing information. For me, that is the best lunch. Okay. Yeah. We we should probably have an IPA with the, the lunch. Oh, no, no, we should not. I had a, I'm not going to name the company, and I'm not going to name any names here. But I had a boss in the past. Whenever he yeah. would come to Japan on his business trip, he would always have like two or three big beers with his lunch. Oh man! And uh, our, our third question for you: If you could invite anyone to lunch, living or dead. Who would you invite? Um, I would choose one of my grandparents that I died when I was younger and I never really got a chance to know them or talk to them or hear uh, some of the stories that they have. If you had your grandparents, what would you, what would you ask them? What would you want to ask? I would ask about their upbringing and their family and what, what my parents uh, were like when they were kids and just, just, family history stuff. That's an awesome answer. I love that. That's true. That's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending time on the, on our first podcast. Thank you very much, David, and good luck to you in the podcast. Uh, I'll be a big supporter. Have a great day. Thank you, Andrew. Always a joy.